This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. morning that is not a clip of the audio in some markets of sunday night football this week that's actually the call from victor vialba of the cowboys spanish radio broadcast the overtime thriller that peaked out at 30 million viewers of course it's the cowboys it's the patriots it was one of the only games of sunday afternoon that was worth watching the planets aligned perfectly for cowboys patriots to have that exciting finish i don't think we'll quite get to 30 million here today I wonder if cumulatively over the last four years, if you add up all the viewers and put them together, if we even get to three million, I don't know. All I know is they let us keep doing it, so there must be enough to placate the powers that be, but maybe not for long if I keep talking about it. Good morning, Chris Sims. I shut up now. Oh, hello. Please do. Shut up now. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I mean, Cowboys, Patriots, that game, I understand that kind of you know number rating, definitely. I mean, that was, that was an exciting football game. I mean, you said it, you know, like the one o'clock games on Sunday. What did we have? Stunk. We, yeah, we only had really one competitive game, if I remember correctly, right? That was the Vikings yes. Panthers. So, you know, it was a little bit of an underwhelming uh, slate right then, but the, the afternoon delivered uh, with that Cowboys Patriots game because, yeah, you're right. The Raiders kind of controlled the game against the Broncos at four o'clock. The Cardinals jumped out to the lead on the Browns. And uh, that was the only thing to really watch that was really competitive. It was cool, man. It didn't. It a lot of lot of dramatic moments for sure. And at one point around three o'clock Eastern on Sunday, all of the early games had margins of at least ten points. Yeah. It was because the Vikings yet again blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead that that game got as exciting as it did. But the way it worked out, we talked about this Monday when you were asleep or otherwise lounging on your hammock. We, 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 uh, we talked about the fact that all four windows, we had four windows on Sunday, starting at 9.30 a.m. and lasting until almost midnight. Every window had an exciting game. It just so happened that the standalone game at 9.30 a.m., great game. One o'clock, all the games stunk except one. Four o'clock, all the games stunk except one, and then we had the overtime game in the in the late window. So it worked out well. 
if you are into watching football all day long, there were exciting games. Yeah, Monday night it, was great, you know, too, except for the first to that. three and a half quarters of the Vikings-Panthers game, but an exciting finish. And a lot of exciting games this year. And we've still got 12 weeks of the regular season to go. There's excitement. I guess the better word is concern. Excitement. There is. It's, it's not excitement. It's, it's intrigue in Thank Dallas. You. Okay. It's not, it's not exci- it's, you're, they're excited, not in a way that they're happy. They're, they're agitated. Cover. Way to go. Good cover. That, Good no, cover Bob, for that. Oh, <laughs> they're excited. Sorry, sorry agitated. Yes, they are. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I didn't make up a word. I guess when in doubt, say simplicated. I don't know. Oh, Just yeah, make yeah. up a word. You hear that, Big Phil? He's making fun of you, Big Phil. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, anyway, Dak Prescott has a calf injury, as we know. The Cowboys play in week eight, not week seven. They're on their bye, as we know. And when they play again, they'll play in Minnesota on Sunday night football against the Vikings. Here is Dr. Jerry Jones, his Tuesday appearance on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, talking about the Dak Prescott calf injury and how it may or may not affect him when it's time to play again. Well, I I think the fact that the bye is there, my feeling is that ought to, take care of it in terms of enough time for it to uh, get a, uh, get to where he can um, uh, really uh, compete normally. So um, I think uh, uh, I would be probably a little concerned, a little concerned if we were playing this week, but the fact we've got two, I'm a good champion. Do you, do you think that- me, my mind, Dr. Jones being comfortable. Now, now uh, wait, Jerry, Jerry, you don't get, to take the Dr. Jones nickname and use it for yourself. Dr. Jones is a well-earned nickname based upon his effort to sound like and act like and think like and speak like he's a doctor opining on all these injuries over the years and when guys are going to be healthy and when they're not going to be healthy. That was a term of derision that emerged within the past 10 years calling him Dr. Jerry Jones, not something that he can call himself. So stop it, Dr. Jones. Stop it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, how could he not be concerned? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, he's trying to, I, I, to me, I mean, it sounds like he's playing it off. Like, there's, I, I wouldn't expect Dak Prescott to be able to play with a calf injury uh, this week. Definitely not. Two weeks from now, you know, they could say what they want. Dr. Jones, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that, that to me is, it's going to be dicey. I will not be shocked if we're sitting here next Thursday and it's, you know, a little bit of a questionable call with Dak Prescott. He was on the field today, did some drills. Uh, I, I mean, just my experience around that injury, having that injury myself once before, just knowing that, like you talked about yesterday, it's not going to go away easily. It's just, it, it doesn't. It's in, a, it's in a spot where, you know, so much of the power and the movement of what you do hinges on the ability to be able to push off with that calf muscle and you know we got into the quarterback play and all that stuff yesterday too especially with it being his right leg his back leg the one you do push up in the pocket the one that does start a lot of the movements so uh again like I'm not concerned long term or anything like that but like your Vikings football team the week after the bye they might have a chance to catch a break here and and maybe not have a hundred percent Dak or maybe not have them at all I'm going to be interested to see where it goes well, and, uh, you know, if they don't have Dak, it's Cooper Rush or Will Greer. Yeah. 
or 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 somebody they would add. Not that they're going to add anybody because I think they already would have by now. We're into Wednesday. You make your moves Monday or Tuesday if you think you're going to need somebody. You know, I thought they were being extremely coy in the immediate aftermath of the injury to the extent that they were looking around for help and they didn't want to admit to either the agents of available free agents or to the teams out there that may have someone they would want to try to trade for that they're desperate. Because if you admit that you're desperate, if you let it be known that you're desperate, they start putting their thumbs on the scale and the rest of their hands and they press down. They know that that the team that is looking for help at the position really, really needs the help so the price goes up. That's just the way it is. But, but that hasn't come to fruition. If they did try to look for somebody, they haven't found anybody. They haven't signed anybody. So it would be Cooper Rush. I just think that, that, that this is one where the player is obviously going to want to play. No doubt. The player is going to believe that he will be fine. Troy Aikman spoke yesterday about how he can manage this, even if he's not 100%. you got to be careful, though, because once the adrenaline starts flowing, once you think it's loosened up, once you think it's okay, you push just enough yeah right that it grabs again you know it that it pulls again and nothing that he's going to do between now and next sunday is going to be as intense as what it's going to be like when you're on the football field and and the best example that he can look at is christian mccaffrey in the hamstring pushing too hard to come back from the hamstring injury aggravates it and now is on injured reserve and this is where the team the doctors the coaches dr jones everyone involved have to protect the player from himself if if this is something that indeed is going to take some time but when when we played the mike mccarthy clip on pftpm on monday right. and he pauses and looks down well, even, between yeah. the word hamstring and strain i i just i think even that jerry this is worse i felt like he was bumbling they're letting there. us believe yeah but don't well you, he i mean it kind of always well i don't know mind. that to me was a little more than normal like a little bit like uh, uh I, I feel like jerry like when you get incidents incidences like this he's usually like oh he'll be fine he'll be good yeah well you'll see him there no problem we're not worried like he's very confident and kind of just like squashes it there there was a lot of himming and humming and you know, bumbling over your words. And Mike, you're right. I mean, that's where uh, just, you know, talk to any trainer in the NFL who's dealt with these injuries. They're very fragile. I mean, they really are like you're talking about. I've been around teammates and, of course, seen other players where it, it lasts for seven or eight weeks because they continue to try to push it like you've talked about a little yesterday. You think, oh, I'm good. It's been two weeks. And you kind of push it hard and you give a little setback. And then you go, all right, well, yeah, I can still move around, but man, I'm only like 85, 90%. I'm not the same guy. And that's what you got to be careful of here. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But certainly, like, big news because Dak Prescott's in the MVP conversation. The Dallas Cowboys are maybe the, they're in the, uh, their offense is maybe in the conversation for the greatest unit in football right now. I mean, they're almost an unstoppable force. And to not have Dak Prescott would certainly, you know, hurt that force for sure. Meanwhile, coming to a future edition of PFT Live, Simsism, hemming and homming. <laughs> yes. Hemming and homming. Hemming and homming. Thank you very much for that <laughs> no one. No problem. All right. Um, and, and they are fortunate the buy came when it did. That doesn't mean he's going to be 100% on the other side. It's just something we're going to have to keep an eye on. And the information is going to be very limited between now and then. They have no obligation yeah. to tell us anything about his injury status until next Wednesday. By week 
no injury reports. The only time you get injury reports during the bye week is the bye week before the Super Bowl. Everybody else's bye week, it's locked down, it's quiet, it's no obligation to say anything about a guy's health. So we'll be in the dark, and even then we know how useless the injury reports are. I predict he will be limited in practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, questionable for Sunday, and then we'll just see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. You know, he'll travel to Minnesota and we'll see. He'll go through he'll be we'll hear the you know, uh, all the information robots on Sunday morning saying that that he's a game time decision or something like that. He's gonna go through warm ups. We've seen this movie enough times we we don't have to watch it again. We know how it ends. The question is the ultimate ending. He's either gonna play and he's gonna be impaired while he plays, and the question is gonna be does he re injure it or he's not gonna be able to go. Those are the two outcomes that I see. And uh, obviously, he wants to try to play. Another thing about Dak Prescott that we need to mention here, yeah. and, and this is part of something that, that he's been very involved in. He lost a brother to suicide last year. He's been wearing, as someone noted on social media, asked for help written on his wrist tape this year to support mental health awareness. And I understand that the full stigma of issues with anxiety, depression, non-physical injuries, the full stigma has yet to disappear. But we're making a hell of a lot of progress, and I'm encouraged by the fact that that people are no longer ashamed to the point that they're paralyzed yeah. with silence right. by the issues. And I think the more that, that we talk about it, that first step is always the hardest one, especially for men, the way men are wired That's to right. internalize, right. to fight through it, to yeah. be, you know, to be tough. Yeah, it's a sign of weakness. Right. Come on. We're all human. Regardless of who we are, regardless of what gender we are, we're all human, and we need to understand that there are times that we need help. And this stupid bravado that too many men carry around, that they're in some way giving up their alpha. Don't want to be a beta. Got to be an alpha. Can't admit that I ever have an issue. That would make me a beta. That's bull. I almost said the other word. So when you need help, get help. When you need to talk to somebody, find somebody. And be that person who's always probing the people in your life. If you're fine, yeah. number one, thank your lucky stars every day if you're fine and you don't have these issues because I think we all have them at some point in our lives. But when you are in a situation where you are fine, be sensitive to all the people you interact with because you never know who that one person is that needs help that is teetering on the brink of not asking for it, and maybe you can be the one who initiates the conversation to get them to ask for help. So that's an obligation that we all share as we fulfill our obligation to take care of each other, plain and simple. Chris. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. I mean, that's why it's great that Dak Prescott, we've seen so many athletes over, I feel like the last year and a half, two years, come out and, and address some of these issues. And I do think it... You know, to your to what you're saying, like I do think it encourages men, especially. Yeah, I don't know w w what it is about us that we you, know, you kind of explained it. We're just so stubborn that way. And I, I mean, I know I have somebody I talk to from time to time, and sometimes I got to talk to them a little bit more than maybe other times. You get lost in your own brain, your stupid private logic, things you're dealing with in life. You don't know if you're dealing with them the right way. There's nothing wrong with going to see somebody who knows how the brain works, knows, you know, psychology, you know, social patterns, everything there that, yeah, it helps you. And I was stubborn. I was one of those guys, too. When my wife used to tell me to go, like, go talk to somebody, I was always like, oh, you're be quiet. Be quiet. I don't want to hear it from you. I'm fine. I'll write. I'll figure it out. I'll deal with it. Blah, blah, blah. But you don't deal with it. 
you end up just making the problem worse by avoiding it and swiping it under the rug all the time. And uh, it's really good to see people like Dak Prescott kind of at the front of the line, you know, leading the charge on this discussion. Especially because it spurs others to notice it, Definitely. to talk about it, That's and it. to send right. the message. So thank you, Dak Prescott, Let for go, having Dak. that message on your tape. It gave us an opportunity man, to spend Dak. some time talking about it. And here's how I look at it, Chris. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many people watch the show live on Peacock. I don't know how many people watch the re-air on NBCSN. I don't know how many listen to the podcast. I don't know. But I know, based upon the emails that I get, that there's plenty of people out there who pay attention to what we say. Definitely. And if this five minutes we've spent gets one person who feels lost in the weeds to do what they need to do, what they don't want to do, what they don't think they should do, what they think is not strong or tough or manly to do, if it gets them to do it, then it's, it's worth the time. Yeah. I hear you. spent it's worth it's worth spending the whole show on the issue if it convinces one person to do it so uh anyway um we move on Good talk baker mayfield has uh, a chronic left shoulder injury baker mayfield met with reporters on tuesday because the browns play on thursday night it changes that weekly schedule We're into that rhythm that pattern on wednesday is when we hear from most of the quarterbacks and coaches tuesday we heard from mayfield here he is speaking about the status of the latest aggravation of his left shoulder injury. Today's better than yesterday, that's for sure. Um, yeah, just kind of back to the basics, trying to get the inflammation down and uh, see where it goes. Just one day at a time. You still expect to play Thursday night? I, I do, I do. You know, obviously, if I was in a physical state where I wasn't able to play to the best of my abilities and I was hurting the team, I, I wouldn't do that because I care about winning and I want to get this team in the best position to do that. So. I want to be out there. I want to get healthy. I want to do all that. So that's that's just what it's about. I have to make that decision. Only I know how my body feels. Um, and if anyone questions whether you know I'm hindering the team and going out there injured, that's just not right. So it's my decision. I get to say you know whether I'm able to play or not, and that's just how it is. Uh, yeah, Baker's sounding a lot like. Is he talking to you? Baker. Is he talking to you yesterday? I, I think he listened. I don't to know. You. Yeah. Uh, well, but. And and Shireen and I talked about this on PFTPM yesterday afternoon, and she made a very salient point. What? He's not performing. So if it's not because he's injured, then it's simply because he's not very good. So you got to pick your, your, your side here. Do you have an excuse that's built in for not playing very well? But I'm seeing that bristly, prickly Baker Mayfield that we saw in 2019 when things weren't going the team's way. It's not up to him. He may think it's up to him. It's not up to him as to whether he plays. And at some point, the team, the coach, maybe the coach in consultation with others, needs to ask the very tough question. But it's always in the best interest of the team. Are we better off with a 100% Case Keenum or a diminished Baker Mayfield? I wrote about this and posted it just before the show started because I feel strongly about this. It's not your birthright to be the Cleveland Browns quarterback or the quarterback of any team at any level. But sometimes guys let that creep into their mindset. And there's this... This bravado, the same bravado that we talked about yeah, earlier, Baker. There's yeah. a there's a point where you need to put the the sword and the shield down and understand it's in your best interest, it's in the team's best interest for you to not play. You want to fight through it. You want to gut through it. You want to show you're strong. You want to show you're tough. We'll concede the point. That doesn't mean you should be playing on Thursday night. After what we saw on Sunday, 
after we saw how he got twisted and bent around oh, and how that with the shoulder looked. that's already right. injured right. that keeps popping out, he's going to suit up and go play football again? Are you kidding me? It's not his call. It shouldn't be his call. And there's got to be a grown-up in the room. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way to Baker Mayfield. The problem is he's not the one who is ever going to be in a position to be objective about this. Somebody else has to be objective about it. Yeah, well, this is where it gets hard in, like, the NFL locker room as far as just, like, again, kind of going back, Leah, you're right, to what we're saying. Just, you know, the stubbornness of men, you know, loyalty, toughness, the sport itself. It's hard, I think, a lot of times for the coach to pull the trigger on the move you're talking about to a degree just because, hey, wait, he's the leader of our football team. He says he can play. I'm going to take him at his word, you know, and, and, and see where we're at. And I think the other thing, too, that kind of plays into at least Baker's, Baker's favor as far as playing this week, too, it's a week where you're not going to practice full speed at all this week. It's a bunch of walkthroughs. So they're not going to really know or have a real gauge of where he's really at. Now, hey, it is his left shoulder. There has been quarterbacks through the the through time who have played with, you know, similar injuries. I know my dad did it in 93. He had a partially torn labrum. I know this sounds like it's fully torn. Uh, but you can you can do it. But it's just like, yeah, is it going to affect, you know, your decision making? You know, the, the, the RPMs and the velocity on the football. Is it going to bother you when you try to rip it out of there, rip that front shoulder out of there to create that torque to throw the football? Those are things I'm not sure they're going to really find out until Thursday night. And then I'm not sure he's going to really tell them the truth in warm-ups as he's going, ooh, this really hurts or bothers me, added to the fact that he'll probably be on tour at all. So, I mean, I, I, I expect to see him. I do. You know, and, and you're right. They just need to be ready. Case Keenum needs to be ready and uh, because it's only take one, one hit again and he could be out of the game and, and it's Case Keenum time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Baker Mayfield's been wearing a harness he has. on that left shoulder. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, now l- l- let's think about this. Right. How long ago did we have the conversation about how football players don't wear cups and why they don't wear cups? Why don't they wear cups? Because that extra presence... Of a little chunk of plastic. Yeah. It's well, annoying. Maybe not. Well, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it restricts you. Yeah. How does wearing a harness over strapped over your body on one side when everything you do is about moving and pivoting and twisting and throwing, how is that not a thousand times worse than the restriction that comes from having a cup to protect one of the most sensitive areas of your body that is completely and totally otherwise unprotected while you're playing football. Yeah, well, no, I, I hear you. It's not, it can't be. A- anything. Players are so picky and crazy with their uniforms and how it feels. I mean, you, you could put the smallest thing in the world on a player and he'd be like, wait, this doesn't feel right. I don't, this isn't right. Is there a, what's in here? I mean, it, I mean, yes, they, they're very touchy with that stuff, but it's out of necessity, Mike. You know, I think that's where it gets back to. That's where it's a little different than the cup. You know, yeah. But how does it not diminish him? That's my point. No, how does I, I, that I, I, not affect him? I, I would think it does. The mere a, presence of it. I would think it affects him to a degree. He feels it. It's got to make the shoulder pads feel a little differently. You know, one thing I was going to say, too, and you bring up a good point, is I, I feel like I saw the harness in all the other games, and I don't. I feel like in those highlights right there, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, was the harness still on his left shoulder last week? Maybe he took it off. I'd actually like to see the, the replay again if we can look at that because usually we've been, 
you, you could see a little black pad or a strap sticking out of his jersey the last few weeks when he's been dealing with a shoulder injury. And I'm not sure if I noticed it, even watching back on film, or maybe I'm just so used to it now. Uh, but I, I don't know, Mike, do you see something there on his left shoulder? I'm not sure if I actually well, do. Look at it this way. Yeah. Look at it this way. If he had it, it didn't work. Right. Oh, man, that is so painful. Ew. And I admire the guy's willingness and ability to keep going. Those are admirable qualities, ah, but they become detrimental qualities. You still see the harness? I think it is. It, they become yeah. detrimental qualities in a situation like this where you are so determined to prove your grit, to prove your toughness, that you do it in a way that hurts the interests of your team. And it, it does dovetail with what we were talking about earlier. It does. There's a point where, where you've just got to stop. And, and Chris, part of what makes Baker Mayfield great is – the moxie, the toughness, the confidence, Definitely. the swagger. That's what got him in this mess in week two when he decided to go make a tackle after an interception. How many times do we have to say, and if we're saying it, I'm sure coaches are saying it, how can coaches not be saying it? They want their best players to be available. They want their quarterback to be available to play. How are they not hammering into these guys' brains? Do not go and be the hero after a situation like this. And then again, as I say it, I'm remembering Brian Flores in the pre to, in the yeah. preseason, we like that. We saying that. that we like to you you made the mistake you go clean it up yeah and then you get injured and you can't play for two months it's it's asinine yeah no it, it is I mean we talk about this a lot the greater good there is okay yeah okay you threw an interception I know you want to be tough and and help your football team out but you know there is there is a line that you got to watch out for and you don't want to cross and and that line is wait. Do I really want to put my shoulder in here and and be physical to stop the guy from making five or six more yards, or do I kind of want to look like you know a chicken, for lack of a better phrase here, and let the guy get five or six more yards and somebody else tackle him? I mean that that that's the tough thing about the position. You know, football players, quarterbacks included, they're not they're not wired that way to think that way. They're just not. You know, again, and and you do you do feel guilt as a quarterback when you throw an interception. I mean, you feel guilt. Right off, I mean, as soon as the ball's leaving your hands, you're going, oh my gosh, I'm about to let down the whole team and 70,000 fans, oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's a horrible feeling. And then you're angry at yourself, so you want to go there and make a tackle. And uh, it, it is a hard thing to shut off. It really is. There's no doubt about it. Now, the other thing, Mike, that like plays into this whole thing with Baker Mayfield, I mean, again... He was, you know, at moments in that game running for his life to a degree. We got to remember, there no, I don't know what the status is of the tackles going to be for Thursday I night. I don't think they're going to have either yeah. the Ooh. starting tackles, I mean, Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills. I think that's way, the way it's trending. Ooh, I mean, so you don't have them. And now we got no Nick Chubb. And now we got no Kareem Hunt. I mean, the, and then you got a pretty good Denver defense. Like, pretty good. I'm not, you know, Denver's defense, I think, statistically is top five. I don't think it's really top five. But still, it's good enough. So now you're going to go, whoa, are we going to really be able to run the ball the way we want? Can we protect him the way we want? You know, I think they're going to have to ride his right arm and his ability to throw the football more than any time this whole year to win this football game. And it's a huge football game. Huge. I mean, we got playoff implications right here, week seven, both teams three and three. And that's where I think it's going to be hard for Baker not to play for all the reasons we talked about yesterday. He wants a new contract. He knows his team's pretty good. He doesn't want Case Keenum to come in and light things up and have to like deal with that. So uh, I expect to see him Thursday night. But, yeah, they just better tread lightly there and, and really watch him and be careful. And by the way, 
I refuse to let you filibuster your way past your latest effort to once again defame one of the most useless yet delicious animals on the planet, the chicken. I still don't know how the chicken I told gets caught you up yesterday. In. I don't buy it. I, I still don't buy it. Because the the <laughs> chicken didn't yield to Rocky. The chicken does not yield. And the chicken is an appropriate animal to be mentioning because Von Miller is a noted chicken farmer, if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he is. Von That's Miller right. well played. chimed in yesterday <laughs> on 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 what he will be feasting on and it won't be chicken during the Thursday night game against the Browns here's Von Miller you know, I performed well in all type of games and I got to play well in this game I will play well in this game I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go off it's gonna be a good game for me you know I don't want to you know guarantee a win you know for my you know for my teammates but I guarantee I have I don't want to put the pressure on those guys this time I put the pressure on me you know and I'm gonna have a great game I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play well, you know, get a couple of sacks. And, um, you know, if I can do that, then we will win. If you look at, you know, this season, you know, the first three games, I, I had a couple of sacks and we won those games. And uh, these last three games, I, I, I didn't do as much. So, you know, if, if I can play well and I can get sacks and I can find a way, you know, to disrupt the game, you know, we'll win. So the pressure's on me to play well. I will play well. I don't know who the tackle is and I'm going against, but I'm, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. And the other guy, too, on the other side, and I'm, and I'm going to play extremely well, and I'm going to make plays for my team. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to set us up to, to win this game for sure. Man, I love it. I don't know who the tackle is I'm going against, but I'm going, I'm going to, to kill, kill him. him. <laughs> Yikes. Why he's uh, wearing I, a chicken you know, hat, Mike? He was wearing a chicken hat. I've never sensed that kind of bravado from a guy from a team that has lost three games in a row. You would think they're six and zero, oh, wouldn't you? You would think that this is the '85 Bears, but but this speaks to that. You got to be wired that way. You got to have that confidence. You got to forget about what's happened. I mean, they had an embarrassing loss to a team that's in complete disarray on Sunday when yeah. they fell to the Raiders yeah. at home. But you got it. You got to You got short week. Yeah. You got to load load up the mental cannon with all sorts of positive thoughts. Although it's not exa- exactly positive to say he's gonna kill. He doesn't literally mean positive kill, for his but, team. Uh, <laughs> positive for his team. The idea of getting a couple sacks and winning the game. I'm not gonna guarantee a win, but I'm gonna guarantee I'm gonna get a couple sacks. And when I get a couple sacks, we win. So there's your logic from Von Miller. But uh, hey, the guy's dangerous, and he's more dangerous when you have. The left tackle and the right tackle, the starting two out. Yeah, no, no as doubt. As it looks like they're going to be. Hey, they, I mean, they, they they had trouble, you know, last week with the Cardinals pass rushers, Marcus Golden and, you know, J.J. Watt when he was out there a little bit, and they didn't have to face Chandler Jones. He wasn't even out there. So, hey, this, yeah, Von Miller, I, I love that he said that. I really do. Yeah, they're 0-3. All right, 0, the, 0 for their last three, I should say. And he's he's going to take the, the pressure on himself here. You know, it is the kind of thing like it's great leadership. It's the kind of thing that's going to get the locker room excited that he's making comments like that. And, you know, they're all going to be, oh, what are you going to give us this week? He's, he's putting it on himself to, to kind of, you know, up the ante for his football team. He knows they're struggling and they need a win here. It's a big football game like we were talking about. And you know, he, he's, he's no idiot. I mean, Von Miller, he's, he's a really cool guy. He's smart. He's well thought out. He works hard. He smells blood in the water. He's he. I'm sure he got a quick look of film on what those offensive tackles looked like last week, and he went, "Ooh, okay, I'm not going to be afraid to 
you know, show show some bravado and make some comments here. So we'll see where it goes. Um, but I'm I'm really excited for the Thursday night game. I am. I mean, I, I we're gonna see some hitting and some real des- desperation here, which always makes good football. Yeah, you know, th- this is one of those games that even though there's still a lot of football to still be played, and I still don't know how playing 17 games changes the vibe. But yeah, yeah. loser of this game gets to four losses in the AFC which is not going to be easy to overcome. And it feels like a crossroads for both teams. Right. With the with the Broncos, we I think are surprised a bit that they're 3 and 3 even though they've lost 3 in a row. If we had just fast forwarded to this moment before the first games of the regular season and we saw Broncos 3 and 3, Browns 3 and 3, we'd think, "Wow, the Broncos are having a pretty good year and what the hell happened to the Browns?" And I think that's what we are thinking. And from the Broncos' perspective, to the extent that anybody looked at the schedule before the season, and a lot of players don't. But if you're a Broncos fan and you studied the schedule the moment it came out in May, as I know you did, you kind of, you know, cringed a little bit when you saw a short week Thursday night week 7 at the Browns. Oh boy, there's a loss. Now, all of a sudden, that game looks winnable. It's exciting Definitely. for the Broncos. Definitely. And maybe that's where that lift is coming from for Vaughn Miller that, you know, this was an L. This was a big fat L for weeks. And now, all of a sudden, maybe it's going to be a W and maybe it propels us because as they go forward, they got Washington mm-hmm. the following week, a game that is winnable. They play at the Cowboys. Well, so much for that. And then they have the Eagles before their bye. They could win three of the next four if they beat the Browns, go into the bye. That would make them six and five after 11 games. That's far better. Six and four. Yeah. That's far better after 10 games. Six and four. That's even better. Six and four after 10 games. No one would have expected them to be there. Now, the second half of the screen, I see Chargers twice and Chiefs twice. So much for that. <laughs> so, so much for the Broncos being content, but you never know. And if you develop confidence and you do go into the bye, two games over 500, who knows what happens no, down the stretch. No, no doubt about it. I mean, there's potential with this team and the roster, that's for sure. Yeah, they've, they've you know, they, they feasted on the week early on, early on in the year. You know, let's let's be serious. Who was it? The Giants, the Jaguars. Who am I missing in the third win? They Jets. Had? The Jets. Shut them right. out. So you know, again, we don't know what they are completely as a team yet. They're a little bit of work in progress. But like to what you said, Mike, how could you not feel good? Yeah. Well, we got a tough game. Wait, the best running back in football, not named Derrick Henry's not playing. The the backup, you know, two headed monster who's also a starting running back, he's not playing. The two tackles are hurt. Wow, Odell Beckham Jr.'s banged up. Maybe we'll see Jarvis Landry. They got to be looking at it as if we can steal a game, let alone their offense has struggled lately. And oh, great, you get to play the Browns, who, you know, have a ton of talent on defense, but mess up six or seven plays a game that will assure you big plays 60, 50 yard gains, 40 yard touchdowns. So they do have a chance. They got a chance really to get the defense back on track and getting a little confidence and more importantly, the offense, because the offense has lost its way here a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater in the offense, he hasn't played all that well. Man, there was a lot of plays to be had on Sunday against the Raiders that they left out in the field that he didn't make the throws. So here's a week to national TV. Can they rebound, kind of reassert themselves as, you know, one of the better teams? In the AFC, but there was a like this clip here, Mike. There was a lot of this on Sunday where you go, man. I mean, that's that's that was a forty-yard gain all day. That should be a walk-in touchdown. Nope. And there's wow. three or four other plays that go along with it. Let alone, 
I think they're the worst, or if not the worst, down to the worst, one of the worst third down passing, third down teams in football. So everything is unraveled for them, and hopefully for Denver's sake and Vic Fangio, they can get, you know, right the ship here with the Thursday night game. Teddy Bridgewater has a foot injury. The Broncos expect him to start despite the injury. Had a concussion a few weeks ago. Didn't miss any games because of that. And you have to wonder, and this gets back to what we were discussing regarding Baker Mayfield. Different reason, not injury-driven. It's merit-driven. Yeah. And, hey, I say this every year, and they had that quarterback competition almost down to the wire in Denver the winner of a stern and protracted and competitive quarterback competition typically is the guy who wins the right to be the first one benched because it's almost inevitable that, you know, unless you win, 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 at some point the other guy is going to get a shot because at some point you're going to encounter adversity and the starter is going to regress just enough. If it was close, you're thinking, let's see what the other guy can do. The problem is when Drew Locke had a chance to play after Teddy Bridgewater suffered the concussion late in the first half against the Ravens, Locke wasn't great. No, and again, it was right, the Ravens. Right. You know, at some point, at some point, especially if you've got two out of three winnable games after this one, if Bridgewater doesn't get it done in primetime on Thursday night, at some point, you have to be thinking, let's see if Drew Locke can give us a spark. We need a spark, and we're not getting it from our starter. I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think we're getting close to that. I do. You know, it, it, it's it just... You know, and I know, yeah, like you said, Teddy got hurt early on in that Baltimore game. I want to say it was the second quarter, somewhere right in that range. Right before halftime. Yeah, yep. right before halftime. But, I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot of offense to speak of in that one either. They've stalled a little bit. And to me, what is a little concerning is like what we saw there. And that was always the question with Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion. You know, they got some guys that could get down the field and make some plays and get open that way. Can he deliver? Because that's not been his M.O., and that's kind of Drew Locke. That's one of his strengths. What, 40, 50-yard lasers? I could do that in my sleep. Now, he's got some other issues that were t are Teddy's strengths. But when Teddy starts to turn the ball over and and do that, then you got to start going, well, wait, we, we didn't play Drew because we knew he had more talent, but we just didn't trust him. And we went with the guy we trusted, and he's losing our trust. So what's the point of staying with him? I think it's a huge game this week for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I, it is. I, I really think. I mean, if, if he flounders and they don't play well, then I do think you're going to hear the Drew Locke conversation be a very real thing going into that Washington football game. Yeah, the biggest argument for Teddy Bridgewater was he was steadying. He was calm. Yes, and he right, had right. a higher floor, albeit lower ceiling, but we're comfortable in that in that range. Yeah. But if the ceiling is going to go down and the floor or the floor is going to go down the ceiling still here maybe you give the guy a chance who's got the higher ceiling those throws that you showed earlier lock yeah that's locks that, that's that's his bread and butter is those type of throws you're right i i think he does make those so and hey they are now now they're missing some of the receiver firepower right i mean i know jerry judy's probably getting close to coming back here at some point but they lost kj hamler who was a speed guy and now you might not be able to throw to people that are just wide open. You might need the quarterback to, you know, put the ball in some really money spots to help these receivers a little bit. And we're going to see, you know, again, we talk about it a lot, Mike. Hey, turnovers, turnovers, explosive plays. They win football games. And that's where Denver's really struggled here as of late, especially in the competitive part of the game. A lot of end of the game. It's really over stats the last two weeks. And uh, we'll see where it goes for Teddy B and company. 
and for all the time that you have before the season starts to plan and strategize and make your decisions and study and contemplate, once you get into the season, it's one train after another rolling down the tracks, and you don't have a whole lot of time no, you don't. to sit and contemplate. you got to get ready for the next opponent, or you know, you're going to have another loss. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Washington football team email situation. We're going to talk about it when there is news. There's some news that we need to discuss. We'll break it down and try to make sense of all of it when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties. Whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber, Quaker Oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker Fruit Fusion, with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Some developments in the ongoing controversy regarding the emails that first surfaced less than two weeks ago. It really does seem like it's been a lot longer than that. The John Gruden emails to Bruce Allen. John Gruden not working for any NFL team at the time. Bruce Allen, the Washington football team general manager and then president in a full decade with the team. I have been trying to find out some more things because in a situation like this, Chris, here's what happens. The bomb goes off. Yeah. And and we we chase some of the most obvious fragments, the biggest pieces. But there's still plenty of stuff there that invites curiosity and follow-up. And look, the NFL would like nothing more than this for this to all die down and go away. They don't want us talking about this. They want us talking about the games because I believe somewhere, somehow, they're hiding something that is going to cause even more problems than have already been caused. They want to close the book on this and they want us to shut up. Well, I'm not going to. I'm going to keep asking questions about it. And to their credit, you know, I'm asking pointed questions and they gave me pointed answers yesterday. And there was a question that I'd been asking and now sometimes I have to ask it a few times before I get an answer. That's part of the way to, you know, get me to kind of 
forget about it and leave them alone. I'll ask the question. I've, I've said this before. I ask the question and I don't get an answer. So I have to remember, oh, you know what? I asked the question and they didn't answer. I'm going to ask it again. And I don't get an answer. And I have to remember a third time. And usually the third time gets something, either no comment or an actual answer. So I asked two questions, two questions, two questions on Monday. One, where do these 650,000 emails come from? What are they? Right. How are they selected? And secondly, did you just look at emails or did you also consider text messages? Because I think... You know, at some point over the last 10 years, the communication preference changed for a lot of people from email to Definitely. text. And I tend to think people are more relaxed and more likely to say something they shouldn't say yeah. on this right. than on this. Right. That's just my own, my own thought. So, asked it once, nothing. Had to remember, like, follow anything? No, nothing. So finally, third time was a charm. The 650,000 emails the NFL told me yesterday, and this wasn't like the AP story from Friday night where an unnamed source says there's nothing else in the emails like what John Gruden sent. Well, put your name on it. Well, in this case, at least they did. Brian McCarthy, the NFL spokesman, told me two things. One, and we'll start with this. The 650,000 emails, according to the NFL, and I'm not vouching for this. I can't prove it or disprove it without right. access to the documents. Right. The emails came from all of the emails sent to and from Bruce Allen during the period of time where they conducted the investigation, and they all were unrelated to the workplace culture investigation. So setting aside that part, just think of it this way. Bruce Allen almost worked for a full decade. He worked two weeks past a full decade with the Washington football team. 650,000 emails sent to and from Bruce Allen through his team account. That works out. And I did the math. I checked it twice, checked it a third time just to be sure because me and math, not exactly on the best terms right now. 178 emails sent and received by Bruce Allen, every day, on average, 178 a day, every day, for 10 years. And the cries of BS that I received from people in the league with teams were, were deafening. There's no way in hell these are 178 emails per day by Bruce Allen. I got no way to disprove it. Yeah, right. I'm just telling you what they told me on the record. If they hadn't attached a name to it, I wouldn't have used it. They attached a name to it. They're saying that this is what it is. If it isn't, the problem is we got no way to prove it because they're not going to release them. But but it's just another one of these things that makes you look at the situation entirely and say something doesn't add up. Yeah, I agree. Which you. own which which should prompt people to keep pushing, not just let it all die down and go away. Well, I I mean I guess the uh, yeah I, I'm surprised. I was surprised when I was just like, wait, these are just Bruce Allen emails. Uh, there, there's nobody else that's, I mean, where, where Daniel Snyder, his emails, where, where are they at? You know, I thought the investigation was more into him than to Bruce Allen. I know Bruce Allen was a part of it. I, you know, I, now this is the first time I'm hearing like the 178 per day. I don't know. Is that that crazy? I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, not, not that, you know, you're the GM of a football team. I'm sure he gets a lot of I mean, I, I got to think I get at least 70, 80 emails a day. Now, I'm not responding to them. I don't have to with a lot of them. But for a guy in his position, 
I don't know. Is that that crazy? Is it, do you think it's that crazy, that high of a number when you're dealing with a whole organization? So they got people in the media department. You got people in the training room. You got you know maybe coaches on your own staff. All the people in your building emailing you on a daily basis, let alone all the other people in the NFL office that might be emailing you, and then across the league. I don't know. That's not a. Is that a crazy number? Am I wrong there? I don't know. I listen. I know my email box. Yeah. I, I to me it's not crazy. I was to me say, it's not crazy at it all. It didn't sound crazy to me when I first heard it. But but yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, it was a cacophony of voices that I know from around the NFL. Right. That just didn't saying buy it. something doesn't add up. Yeah. And, and I can't obviously I can't give you the name. Yeah. A text I got from a GM yesterday at 12:48 p.m. Who, who was very skeptical about this. Today, I have received 18 emails and sent two. That was at 12.48 p.m. yesterday. So 178 to some, to many, sounds like a stretch. But, but even then, even then, here's the other thing that we can't lose sight of. The NFL has justified keeping all of this information secret, except for the stuff that got leaked somehow. The, the NFL, though, has justified keeping it all secret by saying, hey, this investigation involved sensitive issues and people who came forward to cooperate. Some of them, the current or former employees of the Washington football team, asked for confidentiality. And so we, we decided to give it to anyone and everyone in the, in the organization and for the entire investigation, which, frankly, frankly, there are ways to deal with you know, redacting names and protecting people who came forward. But assuming that, that that's a legitimate reason to keep everything secret, even though I don't think it is. Assuming it is. They've admitted that the 650,000 emails sent to and from Bruce Allen over a 10-year period were unrelated to the workplace culture investigation. So, so to the extent that this is all secret because it's part of the workplace culture investigation, and you got 650,000 emails that you are saying were unrelated to it, your reason for keeping them secret disappears. And th that is an obvious point of logic that I feel like I am standing alone in the wilderness making. How is no one else joining in that chorus of how ridiculous it is for the NFL? I'm crossing over into my grievance for today, by the way. Airing of grievance is coming up, but here's a preview. How is no one else realizing how ridiculously insulting to the intelligence the argument is that we're not letting any of this stuff out because we got to protect the people who came forward as part of the investigation oh we got these six hundred fifty thousand emails they have nothing to do with the investigation we can't have those either well yeah i mean and and we've heard the emails of like the you know women not fully clothed being a part of that wouldn't that have been part of the investigation i i mean there, there, there's a lot of things here. There's, yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to what we said day one. The whole thing seems fishy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what? I mean, right now it seems like pin, pin the, pin the tail or pin the crime on the guy that's not on the team or in the league anymore. Let's just make it Bruce Allen and just add it to that. I mean, that's where it kind of well, seems right now. Right, you're right. Bruce Allen has skated on all of this from day one because he's not involved and he's never coming back no but there's others no. and and look hey john gruden had it pinned on him and he didn't even work for the team and i'm not trying to defend him never have never will don't get me wrong my point is though it feels like it's broader than that and somebody is working overtime 
plus overtime to keep all of this hidden, to keep all of this secret. And for me, Chris, I think back to other points during the 20 years, almost 20 years to the day, the 20th anniversary is coming up November 1, that I've been covering the league. And there are moments, there are flashes, there are occasions, not many of them, where you just have that sixth sense, that spider sense, that instinct, whatever, that there's something more going on. And for me, the first time it was ever a big deal was with Mike Vick. I knew from the moment the Mike Vick story hit that he was lying his ass off and that he was neck deep in everything that was going on at that dogfighting yard at the property he owned. And he was lying and he lying and he lied to the commissioner's face and he lied and he lied until he could lie no more and he was backed into a corner. And I knew it from day one. And with this one, now it's not as clear but as you said, something's fishy. Another Uh-oh. animal that's going to be thrust into the world of demeaning terms. It's fishy. What fish ever do to be regarded as sketchy or, or uh, worthy of suspicion? But, but I am suspicious. My instinct is shouting at me that there's something going on here. And I'll say this while we're in the ballpark. I- I'm invigorated by the fact that I have people with teams Oh, and people in the league office, by the way. Hey, NFL, if you want to investigate a phone, check this one out. It'll open up your eyes because there's plenty of stuff in there from teams and from people in the league office and conversations I've had saying, keep going, keep pressing, keep after them. There are plenty of people in the league office who are in the dark about this. This is stuff that's being held secret at the highest reaches of the league. Of highest reaches of, course. of the league. And I had someone who was in a very high position with the league tell me on Saturday, we're, we're learning this stuff from reading your website. So that tells me to keep going because otherwise they're going to get away with it. Otherwise, they're going to run out the clock and it's all going to disappear. And it's going to be something, you know, a few years from now, we're going to think, hey, did, what, what, remember that thing? From, and, 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 and that shouldn't happen. We need to keep going. We need to keep pushing because I'm convinced there's something there. And if there isn't, Give us the damn emails and be done with it. But there is, and it just doesn't all add up to what you're talking about. You know, yeah, the 650,000 emails, certainly certainly questionable. I understand everybody questioning that. And and just from one guy, there's nothing else, like nobody else in the organization, nothing through the investigation. I mean, just a lot of it doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't. It's where from the beginning I just go, I just can't believe the NFL – didn't think anything more of this was going to happen by leaking the Gruden emails. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, what? You didn't see that coming down the line next to go, wait, here's emails that are extremely controversial. What's in the rest of the emails? They didn't think, like, Mike Florio's of the world were going to wonder that? That That is where I'm, I'm, like, totally confused by it, let alone, of course, it's at the highest point of the league right now because this is an owner issue now. Now it's like into, well, let's see all the owner's emails. Let's see it all across the board. And, of course, some of these guys know that some there's going to be some sketchy stuff in their emails. So it's, it's locked down CIA, central intelligence, like top secret crap now. And, yeah, I don't, we're never going to get the story on this. There's no way. There's no way. Well, It'll never happen. I, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not won't. giving up. I'm not giving up. And I'm going to keep pushing. And I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, usually by now, the audience gets to the point where they start posting the gif of the guy beating the dead horse, like, let it go, let it go. And that may come at some point, but th- there's something there. And, and, and I, I've been, try- look, I'm, 
I don't have the time and the resources to devote like my full life. I'm just hoping that somebody else out there is is chasing this too. I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care who brings down the elephant. I just think the elephant needs to be brought down and the truth needs to be exposed. Not that the elephant did anything to be brought into that example. I apologize to all the elephants out there. I'm just trying to think of some big lumbering thing that is just going to lumber right out of you if somebody doesn't chase it down and do something about it. One other thing, too, to finish the point on my other question to the league that eventually got answered, text messages, were they looked at? They were not looked at. How? I just, Why would, how? It, if, look, what kind I'm of investigation is that? I, I don't know. That's like the once, you said it. Go ahead, once go ahead. you see the kind of communications that were happening to and from Bruce Allen via email, how do you not go back and look at the trove of communications that is far more likely to contain the kinds of inappropriate comments that would justify taking serious action against all sorts of people. I think I've just answered my question because some of those sorts of people have their fingers on the investigation in the league office, I believe. I don't know that yet, but I believe. And we've already had Jeff Pash implicated through his emails. Who was Bruce Allen texting? What do these texts say? And Chris, let's go back seven years to Deflategate. Ultimately, what was the smoking gun piece of evidence Definitely. that caused right. the defense right. of Tom Brady to collapse? Right. It was not emails. His it was not messages. testimony. Right. It was text messages. The destroying of his phone on top of that. Right, right. right. I know. I, that, that, to me, you know, again, it just goes back to the old adage that the players are held to a, different, a, a stricter standard than the... The coaches and the owners a lot of times, and I, I don't understand that about the NFL. It should be the well, opposite. not the coaches, not in this case. Well, not the coach in this got case. held to a high it's standard in this time, case. Yeah, it's one of the first times we've seen a coach really get screwed over this way. I mean, it's it's the first time ever. And hey, you know, it, it, and and despite Gruden's wrongness and everything about what he said and all that, it is equally as wrong that he still got singled out and screwed over in this and nobody, everybody else is getting off scot-free. It is. You can say what you want, whether you like John Gruden or not. That part of it is still BS that he was singled out that way. And we're just going to keep it real across the board. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But yep, I know you'll keep pushing. You're, you're a stubborn SOB and that's what you do. Scotch-free, just like Chris's coffee every morning. Let's go ahead and take a break. <laughs> did I say Airing scotch grievances. Free? You did. Yeah. You did. Simsism. <laughs> scotch-free. I'm going to roll today. More PFT Live right after this. There's a lot of ball left to be played. There's a lot of ball left to be played. We're in week six. So to turn around and start tapping out now, like I, I don't know what kind of mentality other people have. Like I don't quit things. These players aren't going to quit things. We're not going to do that. So anyone who's got that mentality of woe is me, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think you're going to go out there, roll the ball out, and just go ahead and walk through every opponent? It's the National Football League. Teams are good. You've got to play better than in that 60 minutes every Sunday to have success. So in terms of the motivation aspect, our motivation is to improve and perform for the man next to us. What do they say? Quitters never win, but there's no guarantee that non-quitters win either. Enter the New York Giants. I mean, we don't expect them to quit. We don't expect them to lay down. They're all playing for their own careers. Even when the cause is lost collectively, 
your individual effort, yeah. which is captured on film, or lack of effort or lack of skill, which is captured on film, will determine your future employment with the Giants or some other NFL team. So there's motivation all the way through to the final gun of the last game of a lost season for the players to play as hard as they can. Definitely. So that's what makes I, the sport I, great. I, I don't. Yeah. Look, I just, I, I just, I, I feel bad for Joe Judge because. You're limited by your talent, and I'm just not sure he's got the talent that he there, needs there. to turn the team around. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. You know, again, yeah, like listen, hey, heartbreaking loss. They should have beat Washington football team. We talked about Atlanta in week three. They should have won that game. I mean, they could be sitting here in three and three. I mean, really. And, and of course, they have themselves to blame to, to a degree. But, like, people here in New York, of course, want Joe Judge's head and Daniel Jones' head after last week. I watched that game closely on film. They were outclassed. They were outclassed by the players on the field like you're talking about. There was really – they were going to have to play almost a perfect game to stay competitive. And it's hard to play a perfect game when you can't block the other team's defensive line. I'm just sorry. You know, Giants fans are being a little unrealistic right now to where I want to go, really? Like, I know it wasn't perfect, but they had no chance in that game at all. The Rams are flying high. You know, they've kind of got their defense figured out. We know the offense is good. If it isn't for two quarters against the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, you know, of course, they played at as high a level as anybody in the game the whole year. So that's where I think people are dropping the ball, too. You know, if you can't block and you can't run the football and then you can't rush the passer and have nobody there to do that, there's, you know, no shutdown corner. There's James Bradbury, who's good, you know, but I think they've overpaid him. You know, and then, yeah, there's some injuries to Saquon and Kadarius Tony goes down. And those are like, that's your fighting chance for those guys to make crazy good plays to help make up for that talent difference. That's where I want to push back against Giant fans and go like, listen, it is what it is. They're not that great of a team. They're still putting pieces together here. And uh, it, it just can't always be blamed on Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. And even though I, I know it's part of the quarterback and head coach, you know, mantle. What would you do? What changes would you make to the team? Big picture changes after this season. I, I really don't know. I, I mean, of course, hey, li listen, the, the big thing is I'm not ready to give up on Daniel Jones. I'm a very honest person, too. Yeah, I'm a Giants fan. I mean, you know I had my questions about him coming out in the draft, but I think he's one of the least questionable things on the team at this point. Joe Judge, really, again, I'm not ready to give up on him either. They were close to the playoffs last year. I mean, if the Eagles don't lay it down, they might get in there in week, in week 17. And I know it wasn't a great year, but I don't look at the team and go, man, they're really poorly coached, or wow, what a stupid game plan today. They're always making up for deficiencies on the team with the coaching staff. That, that to me, is what it comes down to. Yeah, oh, we want more from Jason Garrett. What can you expect when nobody can block anybody how do you expect Jason Garrett to just go, oh, here's the kitchen sink. Here's every offensive play in the world. I mean, some of the sacks on the game, literally, it might as well have been you and me at tackle. They just go right around them, you know, running the ball. It's just like, forget it. There's no hole. There's nothing. So, you know, it's, to me, it's more of a roster problem in New York than anything else. I, I look at it this way. Daniel Jones, pass, fail, franchise quarterback, fail, fail. I think we've seen enough. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback. Now, do you want a serviceable guy that you can build a team around and try to be competitive and maybe get to the playoffs? Then keep him. But if you want a short list, and the problem is there's only 
five or ten top five or ten quarterbacks to be had. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's part of the reality. Uh, it's harder and harder to become a franchise quarterback as more guys become franchise quarterbacks, if that makes any sense, and there's a chance it doesn't. But I think that that Jones isn't what they envisioned. He's not as good as they thought he was going to be. Okay. He's not even sure. begun to make the Josh Allen leap in year three. Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman's got to go. He's got to go. He's had his chance to turn this team around. Dave seemed like a nice guy. I, 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 I put a Super Bowl team together, or at least helped finish off a Super Bowl team with the Panthers, but it ain't working. It ain't working. It's not, it's not happening. It's time for them to go in a different direction. I don't think Joe Judge is part of the problem, but I don't like the idea of bringing in no, a new I GM. No, I know. That's right, right. Who may not want Joe Judge. I know. And there's a thought I've heard, you know, the name Kevin Abrams gets, Kevin Abrams gets uh, mentioned as a guy who could move up internally, and, and they love Joe Judge. You know, I think one of the big problems, Chris, and I said this last night on PFTPM. Yeah. John Mara needs to back off. John Mara is too involved with the team. John Merritt needs to give the keys to somebody else. He's one of the owners that tries to meddle without being called a meddler. He doesn't make himself the GM like Jerry Jones, but I think he's way too involved. And the best thing an owner can do is just surrender the keys to someone you trust, get out of the way, go be a fan, worry about counting the beans, making the money, and, and just sit back and wait and have patience and give your team a chance to develop. I just feel like Mara's a little too involved with that team, even though he tries to conceal it. I think he's too involved with what goes on, and uh, I think that's part of the problem too. No, oh, Listen, I, I don't know, you know, I don't have inside info on that conversation. You're right. All I could say, I mean, hey, listen, I, I, all, I've known the Maras from, you know, my, my whole life. Man, I mean, they love football. They love the Giants. So I'm sure – he is involved. And, you, and that makes you more likely to be involved. I know. When it's yeah. a family I'm sure business. he is involved. It's his baby. When it's a family I mean, business, you're going to be family. involved. Exactly right. Exactly right. right. So, again, they've done a lot of good things through, throughout the, the history of time. But, yeah, they're, they're struggling I'm, right now. And, yeah. I, I mean, that to me is the big question, what you bring up. And I think that's the big question. And anybody I talk to in football when you talk about the Giants is like, oh, all right, we're going to get rid of the GM but keep the coach. And what if it's a new GM who doesn't like the coach? And then here we go. We start this vicious cycle. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. But like Joe Judge said, there's a lot of football left to be played. Let's see how this all finishes out. The Steelers, the Giants, the Bears, there aren't many other teams. I guess you could say the Colts with Jim Ursay, although that is more of a, of a recent development. It's not like his dad, Bob Ursay, earned the Colts for years. He actually acquired the Colts in a swap with Carol Rosenblum for the Rams yeah, it's in crazy the story. early 70s. Yeah. But, you know, it used to be the entire league where these old guard, long-standing families where their only business was the football team, their primary business was yeah. the football team. More and more of these owners are making their money elsewhere, uh, and then they, they buy a football team because they got so much money they don't know what to do with it. It's right. buy, you know, a fleet of yachts or buy a football team. And right. the football team is a damn good investment, and it gives you a certain amount of fame and notoriety, although as a wise man once told me, the only thing better than being rich and famous is being rich, as many owners find out the hard way when they become reviled in their local markets for not running the team properly. So I can understand why the Roonies and the Maras are involved. At a certain point, though, you you, you got to look in the mirror because you're never going to fire yourself. At a certain point, you got to ask, am I doing what I need to do? Are there things I should not be doing? And should I be fading out of this and letting others run the team? Because, hey, look, they've, they, they've won plenty of Super Bowls. 
But since 2011, they haven't won a, play, a playoff game. They've only been to the playoffs, what, One once? One time, yeah. Since 2011? That, the, the boat cruise game, you know, and the yeah. Packers, wild card, Packers, Packers divisional or wild card game that year. Yeah. Hey, I, I hear right. you. I know. Where you want that to was the airing of grievances seg- segment. So uh, I, I didn't really have a grievance because I, I already emptied the tank can with I, the Baker Mayfield talk and the Washington football team investigation. So I got nothing else. Can Do you I have say anything one else? Thing? Can I say one thing? Like, just with the remember how we, we had the conversations about going forward on fourth down, right? Yesterday and some of that stuff. And I had some people I know that watch the show question and, like, you know, you know, maybe wonder, like, what's the big deal with some of it, right? Like, okay, you went for it. You went for the win right there. It didn't happen. Okay, well, your defense has to go out there and play. Okay, like, but here, here's things that, like, numbers can't quantify, in my opinion. Like, let's take the Browns, for instance. The Browns, three and out on their first drive. The Cardinals go down and score a touchdown and make it 7 nothing. The Browns get the ball and go right back down the field, and they get a fourth and three on the 13-yard line, and they go for it. The game's 7 nothing in the first quarter. It's fourth and three. You don't have your tackles or Nick Chubb, and they go for it. And people go, well, what's the big deal? He's playing aggressive, right? No, there is a big deal. And there's a psychology that plays into that right there, right at that moment. You know, see, when you kick the field goal and get the three points, there's a positive vibe on the sideline. Hey, good job. We did something good. Now your defense gets geared up to go out there after the kickoff. They got emotions wait, we got them down there, we're ready to go, we're getting geared up as a sideline, and here we go. When you go for it on the fourth down, the defense is sitting there watching, going, well, they're going to get it, so they're not really getting mentally prepared that they got to go in yet, and then when they don't get it, they're let down, and let alone the other team now has like the field goal vibe that we just talked about with the team that went for it on fourth down. They're coming on, the, the defense is coming off the field crazy. The offense is like, oh my gosh, great stop. Here we go. And to me, that's part of this, this again, the analytics that's being lost in this a little bit. There is something to be said. That. I understand in the fourth quarter and one score games, if you want to go for it. I got no problem with a lot of that. I understand that. But I do think there is an unquantifiable aspect to what we're talking about there that is real on a field, at least in my opinion, me being there you know, for eight years playing in the NFL and uh, I think that kind of gets lost in the conversation at times. I'm so glad you said that because the analytics mob have really become bullies. And anyone, I'm, I'm, and, and they'll bully me for saying they've become bullies. That's right. how they react to everything. You're stupid if you question anything about analytics. Well, you're just stupid. That's their coat of armor. This is the ultimate revenge of the nerds. They've taken over with these analytics, and anyone who dares question gets shouted down as a moron, as an idiot, as a fool. But, Chris, what you are raising is something that is impossible to build into these flowcharts. No, exactly. What some are trying to do is to take the game of football and turn it into a flowchart that is determined in a laboratory based upon formulas and charts and graphs and specifics and this is my this is my method this is my calculation this is my way of doing it where you never have to make a decision during a game your decision is just as simple as 
Okay, situation, down and distance. How much time? Plug it in. This is what we should do here all the time. Every time we should do this all the time. If we do it all the time, we're going to get a little bit of an edge. It doesn't work that way in the real world. In the real world, the decisions have to be made in real time based upon every possible condition. And I hear all the time, well, the formulas are evolving to take all this into account. Bullcrap! You can't take everything into account. You can't take everything into account. You take, can't take into account the, the way the wind is blowing in that moment. You can't take into account how wet or slippery the field is in that moment. You can't take into account the heart of your players. You can't take into account the ability of your quarterback to get those men to rise up in that moment and make a stop. Those things can never be taken into account. So stop it with the analytics bullying of people who understand how football really works. Because what they'll say is, you don't know how football works. Bullcrap! You don't know how football works. You're trying to turn it into something that is as simple as putting numbers into a phone and getting an answer and relying on that answer blindly. And I agree there's there's room for it. There's a place for it. Right. But don't turn it into the only thing. It is one of the things. There are so many people who identify and who get their value in the sport by their analytics expertise they will cram down your throat the idea that it's the only thing. It's not the only thing. It can't be the only thing. Yeah, no, it can't. It can't. And you got to be able to apply that. So, like, people were getting on Bill Belichick this weekend, right, for kneeling on the ball with a minute and 30 left. I mean, like, I'm sure, you know, the analytics crowd, to a degree, was going, well, if they go down and get a kick a field goal, it increases their chances of winning. Yeah. But they don't have that great of an offense. And what if they give the ball back to maybe the best offense in football and they go down and score? How does that play out? Like, Bill Belichick was happy to go in 14-10. to 10. He was going, holy crap, we survived the first half. We made two miracle turnovers and slowed down the Cowboys to 10 points. The team who runs on everybody and throws on everybody. No. I mean, the real problem there was Mike McCarthy. Why did you let the Patriots off the, the hook is what I want to say. Again, you have the greatest offense in football. That's what you need to be the driving force behind. But again, that yeah, so I'm glad we agree with that. But I do think that aspect gets just glossed over a lot of times. Same thing with like the Jaguars and them going for it late in the game. Go up the touchdown. Give your team a positive vibe. Instead, you gave it to Miami, and they went down and scored a touchdown because they're invigorated by their defense, and, whoa, we got a chance to score a touchdown and win the game right here. You almost gave us another sentence. I almost You almost did. said invigorized. <laughs> invigorized. It sounds good. I kind of like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a chance it's Chris Sims, accidental scholar. I'll have to look it up during the break. Uh, by the way, at some point before the end of the show, we will tell you where Scott Free came from and that it really isn't Scotch Free. <laughs> Let me just say this, and then we have to break. Yeah. Here, here's the thing that pisses me off more than anything else. The people who, who look at football as a physical, visceral test of wills between... You know, and anybody who's played at any level, you've played at the highest level, I played at the lowest level, and I don't make any bones about that. But you understand, it isn't precise. No. It's far from precise. Right. But we don't say to the analytics crowd, sit down and shut up. You have no seat at the table. You should have no voice in this. We're not saying that. The problem is, that's what they try to say to the people who understand how it really works. Their attitude is, you sit down and you shut up and you're a moron if you don't bow to the order of analytics. And that is offensive. And they need to, they need to ask themselves, now that the nerds have the power... 
they're behaving the same way the bullies always yeah, treated they're them. Being the, they're Do you really the want to be treated now. that yeah, way? The they're the bullies now. They're right. the jocks yeah. who are trying to stuff the, the the jocks into a locker. Yeah. It's there's an irony to it, there and is. I think I've used the term the right way. Let's take a break. Power rankings time when PFT Live continues. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.